This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Anatomy of an Avera. The anatomy of what makes what makes up uh, what makes up an Avera. We are in Elul. We are approaching. Uh, we're two weeks from Rosh Hashanah, so we need to talk about doing tshuva. And what happens if we don't do tshuva? Now tonight is the yard site of the Ben Ishchai. So, of course, we have to speak out some stories from the Ben Ishchai. Tonight is Yard site. And then yesterday, that's t- tonight and tomorrow. And yesterday was the Yard site of the Avas Chaim, which I speak out a lot from Menachem Menashe. So, we'll have to say some stories from him, too. So, we have a lot of stories tonight, Ms. Hashem. All right. So, in the Rambam, Hilchis Tshuva, because we're in Elul, and Elul is the time that we start to prepare um, to do tshuva. So let me just talk a little bit, a few minutes about, um, let's talk about Elul for a few minutes. So, it's a little bit, a little, we have a very good question. I mean, I, I spoke, I don't remember what I spoke about, because I, I haven't spoken in a while. It was like two weeks ago that I spoke. Um, but we spoke, I think we spoke about Elul that, uh, I told you the story with the fear, right? With the with the two guys that that you have to prepare before you go to the fair. If you're if you're going to the fair to to buy jewelry, so you got to bring money, and you got to figure you got to know which guys to go to. So sort of an elo, we prepare, um, we prepare for going to the fair, going getting you know for Rosh Hashanah. So really, we have to come up with an idea of what we want to do in the next two weeks, so that we know what uh, how we're going to change on elo. We can't just show up for Rosh Hashanah. Oh, I want to change Hashem. They're going to be like, uh, like, yeah, you said that last year, and you really haven't shown any, you know, much effort. You're back here with the same stuff that you that you left last year with. So, really, in El is the time. Uh, there's a very cute story. There's a story of um, of a poor man. He came to a city, and uh, there was a miser, a guy that was very, very cheap, and everyone told him, don't even bother going to him for tzedakah, because he has a thing that he only gives to people he knows. You're a stranger in town, right? You're gonna you're gonna knock on the door. You're gonna throw you down the steps. You're wasting your time. So fine. So he didn't listen. So he ended up going to the miser, knocking on the door. Guy opens the door. He goes, "What do you want?" He says, "I'm here to collect charity. I'm making a wedding." He says, "I don't know you. Don't didn't everyone tell you that I don't give to people I don't know?" Slams the door, pushes him down the steps, slams the door, and goes back inside. Okay. So the guy goes ahead, walks around the house, waits a half an hour, knocks on the door again. Miser opens the door and says, uh, what are you doing here again? I told you, I don't give to people that I don't know. Miser says, what are you talking about? We met a half an hour ago. Now you know me. So uh, now you got to give me money. We know each other. So it's a very cute story that Doug Maggit says. But this is what happens to, uh, it's a pretty serious story, because this is what happens on Rosh Hashanah. When a person doesn't daven a whole year and uh, shows up on Rosh Hashanah and says, that, he says uh, I want to, I need to have a good year, your health, a year of wealth, a year of time to enjoy it. Chaim Shalom, Chaim Shalbrachach, Panasa, right? Malachim say, who this? Who this guy? A whole year, he didn't say two words, he didn't have a kavana, even when he came to shul, he's busy on his cell phone, his Blackberry. His brains were in his business, his girls, his music, his other stuff, right? So that, that, the, the, those prayers never got to Shemayim. All of a sudden comes Rosh Hashanah, Shalom Aleichem, Moshe ben Yehuda would like to say a prayer. They're like, 
You're a stranger. We don't know who you are. So the Dugma Maggit says that if a person is smart, in the month of Elul, he'll start davening. And he'll start doing mitzvahs so that when he shows up on Rosh Hashanah, and the Malachim say, who that? What do you mean? The last two weeks, I've been here every day knocking on the door. Hello, help me out, help me out. So I'm not a stranger anymore. She says, that's what Elul is. I am to my loved one. I have made myself available. I have, I have, he recognizes me. I've been here before, been here, done that. Hashem knows my tefillah. That's what a person is supposed to do um, in the month of Elul. So it's really a, a, a time, it's really a time to prepare. But there is something that's a little bit hard to understand. I don't really, I think I want to talk more about it next week. I just want to throw it out to you. Um, it's like this. So Elul, which is the beginning of our trip, the ultimate trip, right, is, is Elul, then Rosh Hashanah, then Yom Kippur, then Sukkot, then Hashanah Rabbah, then Shmi Yatzeres, which is called the Yichud Room, so to say, Shmi Yatzeres, and, and Simchas Torah is like the ultimate, is the wedding, is, is the party, is, 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 is the ultimate. So it's this trip that we start, like a person starts in his life, he starts with a relationship in his life of being a baby, and he's just a taker, a baby, you know, you just feed them, you diaper them, you change their clothing, they don't give you anything but, but agita, or keep you up at night, and then at the end of life, you become a parent, where you just become a giver. So life is, everything's a trip, right? I'm not talking about drugs, I'm talking about life. Everything's a trip. And and you start off at one point, and you're supposed to end up at another point. Um, just like in GPS, there's the point of where you're going from, and the point of where you're going to. If you don't know where you're going from, then if there's no spot where you're going from, so it says, uh, if it says in the GPS, going to to Herman Street in Maine, right? So if you're coming from Florida to get there, you have to take the 95. If you're coming from from Canada, you have to take a different highway. If you're coming from California, take a different highway. Just putting in that you're going to this street in, in, the, in the state of Maine, if the GPS doesn't know where you are, it can't, it can't take you anywhere. And vice versa, if the GPS knows where you are, but it doesn't know where you're going, it also can't give you instructions. So every trip in life, there's a destination, right? There's a place that you arrive to and there's a place that you leave from. You get on a plane, you leave from New York, you go to Florida. If you don't know where you're going, right? And you don't, you know, that's why when you get on the plane, they're very nice and they tell you, this plane, flight 201, is going to Miami. And then half the people get up and say, oh my God, I was going to California, you know, and they get out and they walk out. So, so, uh, it's very important that we know where we are. It's just as important. And I think that, um, this is really totally a new shit, because I never spoke about this before. I think that's maybe one of the major problems, um, in human beings, in, in life. And that is that we go to school and we go to rab, and, and we have rabbis that speak and parents that speak and psychologists that speak and we're all told of what our destination is. Because we want you to be this, and we want you to be that, and we want you to be this, and we expect this from you, and we expect that from you, but we don't tell the person what they are, in other words, where, they, where they're coming from. So we're just telling them where you're going, but we don't tell them where you're coming from. If you don't really know where you're coming from, then you may be really going the wrong, you might be taking the wrong directions to where you're going. So, so the, 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 and that's, that's what Breslov, the Breslov Chassidus is based on, is despite of this. Despite of this means, 
to spend private time with yourself to get to know who you are, where you're coming from. Instead of just knowing where you're going, if you don't know where you're coming from, then you don't know the highway to take. Because to get to that point, every guy in this room to get to be a Laman Vav Tzaddik, right? Everyone in this room, if I told you how to be a Laman Vav Tzaddik, but you have to know who you are. Because one guy's going to have to change this Midah, and one guy's going to have to change another Midah. One guy can get there through Tzedakah. Another guy can get there through learning. Another guy can get there through fasting. Another guy can be a Svarty and do Kabbalah stuff. And the Chesirish guy can get there through Simcha. And the Lippish guy can get there through learning a whole day. And each one might get there, but if you're going to tell one guy to use the other guy's, uh, you know, if you're going to tell the Florida guy to use uh, Route 1, he's going to end up in California. And if you're going to tell the California guy to use Route 95, he's going to have to travel all the way to Florida to go up to Canada and to go up to Maine. He's going to go this way and that way instead of going right across. It's going to take him a hundred extra years to get there. So, so, so what, we, what a person needs to know is he needs to know where he's coming from. And I think that one of the main things um, that the Yetzirah his Kayach today, especially with the youth, is to make sure that you don't have a spider, that you don't think, and that you don't try to figure out who you are and where you're coming from and what your strengths are. And therefore... You, they're telling you where you're going, but you're going in many, you, you're going many times a very long way around. Because you have no idea what your strengths are. And if you don't know what your strengths are, then you, you're busy battling yourself the whole time to get there. You don't even know where you're going. So just like everything in this world was created to teach us, the GPS has to have a, you know, you know, where you're coming from and, and where you're going. Just very interesting. I, I, I'm gonna give one day a GPS share. Because there's so, it's, it's, you know, I talk about GPS in, in Shalom Bayes, that all the guys, all we want from the women is that they can treat us the same way as the GPS treats us. You know, you could change the language, French, English, you know, with an accent, and that recalculating thing is the best, you know, that no matter what you do wrong, all it says to you, it doesn't scream at you, it doesn't yell at you, you jerk. How stupid could you be? I told you to make a left two miles back and you just went right through it and the, you know the GPS makes that noise you know when you're supposed to make the turn I made the noise you didn't even listen to the noise you kept going no GPS just says recalculating nice soft little voice recalculating make a legal U-turn <laughs> so nice no matter how whatever you do wrong, you can go 40 miles out of the way and it keeps telling you recalculating it doesn't get nervous doesn't the tone doesn't get higher, you know, as it keeps going, recalculating, you keep making the wrong turn, and the whole thing, you know, that whole map turns around, you know, when it's turning around like that, that you did something wrong, you know, you're not in a spaceship, that means it has to redo the whole map, so that the GPS has to redo the whole thing, no problem, recalculating, and I just, I gave a Shalom bias to I said, ladies, we don't want anything else from you, we just want you to be a GPS, if you would just, you know, instead of screaming at us when we make the wrong turn, you Tell you ten times why are you on the phone, why are you listening to the Yankee game, why can't you concentrate? You always get lost. I'm like, just say recalculating, and the guy will be happy, you know. So the last time I gave that to the women, I haven't given it this summer. So they're like, and what about you guys? What should you be like, Red Watson? What are you going to give the share when you talk to the guys, right? Because we're not going to say GPS because we don't talk like that, right? So I didn't come up with something for the guys yet. <laughs> so, so one of the ladies screamed out, okay, recalculating. Okay, anyway, you have to be there. It was a very funny share. But um, a person has to know where they're coming from also, not just where they're going. You need both You need both ends. So it's very interesting that that Elul, right, starts, which is, which is really hard to understand, because in our world, 
you, you, anyone who builds a building, you don't build the top floor first. You can't build the top floor first. You have to dig and you have to put a foundation, and then you build on the foundation. So, so how could I start off Elul with with what I'm with with, with my destination? I'm starting off Ella with Anila Daidila Daidili. I'm to my loved one, my loved one is to me. But that's where I'm going to. That's that's Simchas Torah. Simchas Torah is Anila Daidila Daidili. Simchas Torah is the ultimate relationship. So how do I start off? I'm starting off my trip at my destination. It's a very big kasha on Ella. It shouldn't be Anila Daidila Daidili. It should be uh, I'm very far away from you, Hashem, and I'm now going to spend the next thirty days to get closer. To have Rosh Hashanah, to have Sarasamei Tshuva, to get closer, to have Sukkis, to get closer, to have Hashanah Rabbah, to get closer, to get to the ultimate moment, Simchas Torah, Yichud, and, and Shemini Yatzeres. We're starting off already with the ultimate moment. We're starting off, I'm there already. If you're there already, so, so the Rosh Chodesh Elo, we should, we should, we should have Yantav. I'm there. I got, I got to my destination. So it's very deep. Rav Shimshin gives a share on this. Crazy deep. Crazy deep. And, and it's very hard for me, it's gonna be very hard for me to give it over. So I, I need to study it more. There's, there's a whole thing with Shlomo Melech. But, but, what he's saying, which is so beautiful, what he's saying is that in Hashem's world, Hashem can create the top floor without the foundation. How do you know that Hashem can create the top floor without the foundation? In our world, you gotta build on a foundation. In Hashem's world, you don't have to. Look at the earth. The earth, right, is a, is a planet, and it's on no foundation. It's suspended. Totally. There's no, there's no bottom. The top floor can be suspended without anything underneath. And not, forget the earth. You have all the planets, all the planets, right, in the whole solar system. They're all suspended in midair. There's no foundation. It's not like there's a huge foundation and then you have Pluto and then you have Neptune and then you have Mars and as the foundation gets bigger, right? Third floor Mars, eighth floor Saturn, tenth, you know, tenth floor whatever. No, it doesn't work that way. And then hundredth, the penthouse, the, the sun. They're all suspended. So, so Hashem could create the sun and it's just suspended up there and there's no, there's no foundation. So God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, has a special kayak that His world is not built on a foundation. It itself has no foundation. He gives that ability. It's beautiful what He's saying. If you, if you chop what He's saying, it's so deep and it's so beautiful. He, he gives that, and I'm going to bring you a raya from, from the Rambam. He, he, when I learned this, I was, I was like flying. I could, really, I could get up and dance because tshuva, Right? Tshuva can be a moment. You, you, you can feel bad for us all of a sudden, right? You, you just have this feeling and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I, I was doing this my whole life. I'm done. I'm stopping. And in fact, a guy who, a guy who stops smoking or gambling or drugs, um, doesn't, re- the guy who really stops doesn't need the buildup. The guy who has the buildup, it usually doesn't work. In other words, if I'm going to talk to a guy like, stop smoking, I'll give you a hundred reasons why you should stop smoking. And he's like, okay, I'm doing two packs. I'm going to go down to a pack and a half. And then I'm going to go down to a pack. And then I'm going to go down to half a pack. And then I'm going to go down to five cigarettes. He's not going to make it. 
It's not going to happen. By the time he gets down to the five cigarettes, he's going to turn, he's going to go back up. The guy who really, my father all of a sudden used to smoke three packs of filterless cigarettes. He, 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 the joke in my house was that before he opened his eyes, somehow he lit the cigarette and he was already inhaling when he got up in the morning. It was, when he woke up, there was a cigarette that was lit in his hand already. Like, how'd you do that, right? So he was a very heavy smoker, my father. And um, he went to the doctor one day, and he, it's, very, it's a funny story, because and the doctor said to him, you have to stop. And that was it. They didn't really know that much, but to stop, your lungs, did, 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 and then the guy took out a cigarette, the doctor. <laughs> so, my, so my father said, like, I'm not going to stop with a guy like you, that's for sure. So he went, he went like a year later, he was coughing, he could hardly breathe, whatever it was. He went to the doctor, and the doctor said, Mr. Wallstein, I'm not going to give you any speeches. I'm not going to tell you you're going to get cancer, emphysema, you're going to die, or young. I'm not going to give you any speeches. I just want to show you your x-ray. And he took my father's long x-ray, and he put it up on the light board. And it was his, the black and the white were the same color, it was all black. And my father took one look at that, and we were little kids at that time, I think I was 10 years old or 9 years old. He took his, he had like two packs of cigarettes on it. He threw it into the doctor's office in the garbage and never picked up a cigarette again. Now, what happened? It's called a moment, right? It has, it has no foundation, that moment. It's not a build-up. It's not I've been trying to stop smoking for 10 years. Because really, the moment that you stop is the only moment that you really try to... Everyone says, I try to stop smoking. <coughs> Until that decision is made, that moment's made without the foundation. There's no foundation. It's just a, it's just a decision. Until that moment, you really didn't try. So you're really, really trying, you know, trying is like, what do they say, trying closest in horseshoes. But really trying means that the second before, the second before you stop, that's when you really try. So to, to beat an addiction, really to be able to beat an addiction for real, and I, I can talk about this, is one moment to the next moment. You made a decision in your head. It's not because anyone gave you any speeches. You can sit and listen to all these speeches all your life, and it doesn't help. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a second in time. It's a moment in time. It has no foundation. It has no foundation. It's a decision. And the ones that take a long time, drawn out thing, usually don't last. It's the ones that are just suspended. It's just like, this is what I decided. Why? I don't know why. It's just what I decided. Now, in our physical world, it doesn't work. You can't, you can't have a fifth floor of a building without a fourth floor, without a third floor, a second floor, first floor, and a foundation doesn't work. In the physical world, doesn't work. I can't suspend this bottle of water unless I put a bunch of books underneath it. Or I can do magic, but we're not talking magic, right? So I can't do that. So Hashem put a kayak, a strength, in the spiritual world that it doesn't need a foundation. And that is El. And that is what Hashem is telling us over here. Yes. And, and, and he says something even more interesting. He says that once you make the decision and, and you do the unsuspended decision, then after that you have to build the foundation. It's the opposite way around. In other words, you made the decision you're not smoking anymore. That's the suspended top floor that has nothing underneath it. Now, after you made that decision and it's there, now you need to build. You're building actually the opposite of what we can do in this world, in the physical world. Now you're building from the suspended thing 
floors underneath it till it hits the ground. Okay, listen, I stopped smoking, which means I can't hang around. I stopped. I'm done. Now, let me think about this. That means I can't hang around with guys who smoke. I can't have cigarettes around in my house. Um, I have to stay away from places that are full of smoke. And you start to build, you're going the opposite, you're going the opposite, the opposite way. And in tshuva, in doing tshuva, and that's why I'm talking about this, it's the same thing. It could work the other way that you're going to work on, you're going to work on, you're going to work on. But really to do tshuva, it's, it's a moment in time where you say, I'm not doing this anymore. Because Baruch I realized what I did wrong, I'm done. Then, from that moment, comes how am I going to do tshuva? How am I going to stay for it? What do I have to change? But my decision to change, to stop, which is my, which is my penthouse, has absolutely no edifice underneath it. And that's what Elul is. Elul is, you're starting off with the top floor. You're starting off, I need Ladaidi, Ladaidi Lee. I'm there. Me and Hashem were like this. Now, now that you made that decision, from then until Simchas Taira, you gotta make it work. You, you're, you're building down. You're there. Now you gotta build it. I, I need to shake a lulav. I need to sit in the sukkah. I need to have a Yom Kippur. I need to have a Rosh Hashanah. But that relationship, that decision that I want, I want to kapar on all the various I did, that's not a buildup that I got to that point by Yom Kippur. It's just the opposite. I got to that point now, and now I got to make it work. I made a decision. I'm building a house, right? That's my decision. Now I got to figure out, I'm going to get the money to build a house. Who am I going to hire to build a house? But the decision to do tshuva, that is done without the foundation. And, and you, you'll see this in, in, in Hilchah's tshuva. I mean, he talks about it in Hilchah's tshuva. It's, 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 it's very, very beautiful. That's what he's saying. That's what El is all about. And, and I can tell you that, that, that it's really, it's really from one moment to another. People's lives, it's, it's a moment. It's, it's, and, and, and a moment, um, the word that, that I changed my life in a moment is the opposite of Teva. You can't, you can't build a top floor in a moment. You gotta build everything underneath it. So when a person tells you, you know what, I went to a shear, changed my whole life. What do you mean? That's impossible. What do you mean you changed your whole life? To change your whole life, we gotta go to a million different sessions, meetings, we gotta talk about it. No, no. In the spiritual world, Hashem gave us His koyach. And His koyach, Hashem's strength is that we can make a decision without any foundation underneath it. In one second. And that's how people do tshuva. You ask any about tshuva. Let's say I went for a Shabbos. It just, no speech. No rabbi got up and worked on me for 10 years and it finally seeped into me. It's that one moment I went for a Shabbos. I want this. And, and, and your whole life changes. And that's what, that's what the, um, that's what the strength of, of elders in the physical world is. It doesn't work that way. A baby's not born walking. A baby's not one, walk, is not born talking. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a process. It's a gradual growth. In the spiritual world, it doesn't have to be like that. In the spiritual world, the decision is not a process. The being able to fulfill what your decision is, that's a process. <coughs> he says something very scary. He says that Adam, Adam was created on the sixth day. And actually, um, Rosh Hashanah, according to many, right, is not the first day of creation. Rosh Hashanah is the day that you, the human being was created. Rosh Hashanah is the sixth day. So the actual first day of creation is Chaf Hei Elul. We're getting there. 
The actual first day of creation of the world was Chaf Hei Elul. Rosh Hashanah was the sixth day when Adam was created. And the reason it's Rosh Hashanah is because Adam sinned on the sixth day. He was created before Shabbos. And he sinned before Shabbos. So the... The, it's beautiful. This is a lot of Kabbalah in this. Rosh Shimshin spoke very deep. He said that that if you learn, I don't know if it's the Zayah where it's brought down that 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 after he sinned, Adam, he went into a panic. He did this very from the Etzadas, right? He went into a panic. This is, this is amazing. So it says, I think it's a Zayah that he, when when this was the first day he was alive. So Adam, this is mind-boggling. Adam never saw. A sunset. Listen carefully. So I think he, he, he didn't say from where, but I think it's a Zayah. So Adam never saw a sunset. So now he's living in this world with this, this light. The sun is out, right? This light. And everything is good. Then he eats from the Eitz Das. He ate from the Eitz Das right before Ben Hashemashas. So right after he ate from the Eitz Das and he did this Aveira, it starts to get dark. So he thinks that he destroyed the world. Because he never saw a sunset. It's not like, oh, the sun goes up, the sun goes down. All of a sudden, he eats from the Eitzadas, and it's Friday night. It's Shabbos. And, and he's thinking that he destroyed the world. So the whole Friday night, the first Friday night of the world, Adam's thinking he destroyed the world. It's dark. It's finished. It's over. What happens? Shabbos morning, and this is the first Shabbos, Shabbos morning, the sun comes up. He does tshuva the whole, for, the whole night. Shabbos morning, the sun comes up. And that's when he, when he wrote, we know he wrote, Mizmo Shiliyama Shabbos. I never understood. Mizmo Shiliyama Shabbos, which we say on Shabbos, was written by Adam. Not by David HaMelech. Everyone knows that it was written by Adam. Like, why did he write a Mizmo, why did, you know, uh, David, we know why he wrote to Hillam. Why did Adam write Mizmo Shiliyama Shabbos? So, 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 Rav Shimshin said that it's brought down that when the sun came up, he said, oh my goodness, my tshuva, I thought I destroyed the world. My tshuva, the first sunrise, the first sunrise he ever saw was Shabbos. The first sunset he ever saw was Shabbos. So when the sun came up, he said, oh my goodness, Hashem was Makabo, my tshuva. I have to sing, Mizma Shili, I'm a Shabbos. So Rosh Hashanah was the first time someone ever did tshuva. And that's why Rosh Hashanah is the sixth day of creation, not the first day of creation. Because Rosh Hashanah is a representation of a day of tshuva. And that's why it's on the sixth day. It's not like this, but we hold that, that it was on the sixth day. So, so could you imagine that Adam Arishon thought he destroyed the world, sat up a whole night, did tshuva. He did tshuva more than a whole night. He did tshuva for 130 years. He was separated from Chaba for 130 years, which caused us a lot of other problems. Whatever, that's a different, that's a different Kabbalah. What he did in those 130 years caused us other problems. But he was separated for 130 years because he, 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 he did tshuva. He was the first one to do tshuva. And he wrote Mizmah Shiliyam HaShavas. So, so Shabbos, so he, so he said, well, what he thought was darkness, Lemaisa, what he, he brought, even though tshuva was created before the world, we know that, because in order to go back in time, time is something that you can't go back in. Tshuva is, you know, I always tell you every year, you know, you can go back to when you were eight years old and change what you did, which which is impossible. You can go back to what, forget eight years old, you can go back what you did when you were 16 years old and you did this terrible Aveira and that's in your books and it's on the movie, it's on Torah anytime, you know, it's on the video. 
And now you can't change the video, and the, but tshuva is created in such a way that you, if you do a real tshuva, you can go back to when you were 16 years old and you did that Avera. And if you do it me'av, instead of them watching a movie where you're doing this terrible Avera, you're doing this fantastic mitzvah. You know, I can always tell you something I never forgot. When I was 12 years old, I ate a box of Cracker Jacks. At that time, Cracker Jacks weren't kosher. But it had toys in it and prizes and whatever. So I never forget, I went into that store and I, I knew it was trafe. It wasn't trafe. Baruch Hashem found out later it wasn't trafe because they got hashkocha later. But as far as I was concerned, it wasn't kosher. And when I was growing up, things didn't have an OU and OK. You just looked at the ingredients. That was it. But, but, but it didn't, it, it didn't have any hexer on it and I bought it. And, um, many years later, I was standing in Eretz roll and it just came back to me that I took that box of Cracker Jacks and, and, and I did chuva on it. Because I said, Hashem, I didn't know what I know now. It never, you gave me enough food. I could have gone to the store and bought a plum and orange. You know, there was enough kosher food to get. I, I had no right to do that. And I feel bad about it. So now I hope after 120 years, that day, September 9th, uh, 19, whatever, 65, 68, whatever it was, they show, they're going to go, Wallerstein's movie, it's going to show me going into the store and buying a Reisman's cake and making a boy named Zernus and Alamechia. Because if you do Chuba Me'ava, they take that Avera and they don't only, they don't only uh, erase it, because if they erase it, you're still embarrassed. It's like, the guy's 16 years old, all of a sudden it's uh, August 4th, we see him going to the beach, and then all of a sudden the screen goes black for about two hours. <laughs> Everyone's sitting there like, yeah. He wasn't learning, you know? So there's still a certain embarrassment for the Neshama. But if you do real chuva, he's not going to the beach, he's going to the base measures. Now you're going to say to me, and, and many, you know, and we don't have time tonight to learn it, but we'll learn it. It's not true. He went to the beach. But Wallstein ate Cracker Jacks. What are you showing that he ate a Reisman's cake? He didn't eat a Reisman's cake. But what you don't understand is that in the next world, the machshava is Kamaisa. What you think, your thoughts are stronger than what you do. You can change what you did by your thoughts. It's amazing. So Hashem gave us that ability. In this world, forget it. You killed somebody, you killed somebody. I, you feel bad about it, too bad. The guy's dead. You're going to, you're going to electric chair. And the, and the other, it, it, it says, Midas Hashem is not like Midas here. If you admit what you did, right, you go to jail. There, if you admit what you did, you get forgiven. It, it's a, a world that's totally treated differently. In the next world, you admit I did it wrong, you're forgiven. You deny you did something wrong, you're going to burn. Over here, you deny you did something wrong, you have a good lawyer, O.J. Simpson, you walk away, you kill a few people, right? If you, if you admit, if O.J. Simpson would have gotten up and said, I killed those two people... We got into jail for who knows how long. It's a very different world over there because machshav over there is kemaisa. And if you feel bad about something and you want to change it, you changed it. It's crazy. And that had to be created before the world because the world is a world of maisa. It's called maisa beratius. It's not a world of machshav. It's a world of maisa. So the world that Hashem created is a world of doing. But the, before the world of doing was machshava. This world was a machshava in Hashem's whatever that means, in God's thought process, and that's how it came to be. So, a person has an unbelievable kayak, and if you don't use that kayak, oh, you're going to pay a price. Because Hashem is going to say, I gave you the ability to change everything. You know, you could change every Avera you ever did. Well, not every Avera, because if you did an Avera and you said, I'm going to change it, I'm going to do Tshuva, I'm going to do that Avera, but I'm going to do Tshuva later, you can't, your Tshuva is not, doesn't count. What if you have but, words on what you said? You're doing Tshuva on that, you're going to do Tshuva on your Avera. Yeah. That work. It's double negative. I don't know how they work up there with double negatives. But it has to be real. It has to be real. It has to be real. So, so it's, it's, it, but if you don't, 
you're going to get patched. You know, I, I, I always tell you the story of the three guys. The king had three buddies. And one night they decided, they got drunk, they went into the king's treasury, and they stole a lot of the king's stuff. And there was a one advisor, a few advisors, that were very jealous of these three friends of the king. And he heard that the three friends got drunk and stole from the king. So he ran to the king, and he said to the king, you know your three buddies? Uh, they were drunk last night, they stole a lot of your stuff from your treasury. And they checked out the treasury, and they saw that there were things that were stolen. So the king right away sent a, so the guy said, the advisor said, you gotta call the police, and we gotta, we gotta arrest them. The king, the king realized his three friends were in trouble, even though they did something wrong. So he sent a messenger very fast to their houses, and said, listen, we know who took the stuff, we know you took the stuff. Right away, get rid of the evidence. Just get rid of the evidence. Because if they catch you with the evidence, then you're gonna be in very big trouble. So I love you, and I, and I know you were drunk, and you didn't mean it, but you gotta get rid of the evidence. Because if they, if they, if they, if you, if they catch you with the goods and I don't punish you, then everyone's going to steal from you. So I'm going to have to punish you. So do me a favor. I love you very much and I know you didn't mean it. Dump it in the ocean. Dump it somewhere. Don't get caught. Okay. So they get this, they get their messages. Two out of the three. What do they do? They right away buried it in the backyard, dumped it in the ocean. They get rid of it. The other guy's like, meh. So they, they, they catch all three of them and one of them has the goods on them. So they bring the, they, they bring them in front of the king. And the first guy says, I don't know what you're talking about. And the king says, did you find any of the stolen goods that you claim my friend took? They said, no. Okay, goodbye. Next guy says, I don't know what you're talking about. Did you find No. Third guy they bring in, they say, him, we got red-handed. Look what we caught in his pockets. We got this in his house. So the king looks at him and says, you're going to hang. She says, hang? going to hang? He says, you're going to hang. Why are you going to hang? He says, because you, I warned you. So by not by not getting rid of the goods, you're embarrassing me also, because you're my you're the king's friend, and I warned you to get rid of the goods. And now you not only you didn't get rid of the goods, but you're making me look bad. But you're making our whole friendship look bad. You're making the other two guys look bad. I told you why didn't you get rid of the stuff? You are married b'malchus. You're a rebel. You're a rebel. I told you to get rid of the stuff. I told you they're coming after you, Meshugana. You're gonna hang. So the so the Chabad Chaim says. The same thing on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So when they bring every soul in front of God, right? And, and, and you got the goods on you. You did all these averis the whole year. And Hashem's telling you, listen, you have 14 days to Rosh Hashanah. Get rid of the goods. Do tshuva. Get rid of your averis. So that when they bring you up to din and the other side, the satan says, here's your friend. We got him with all the goods. Hashem's going to say, what am, I, what am I supposed to say now? I told you to get rid of the goods. If the Sutton's going to come up and say, look, I know. I was in that club with him. I, I brought him to that club in Manhattan. I, I was there with him. My God, I'm a witness. I was in that club with him. I'm the guy who got to go to that club. How come there ain't no club on his video? How come there's no evidence? I don't know. You got evidence? Show us the evidence. Show us the film. I don't have it. Well, we can't prosecute without evidence. So, so the Sultan, it gets crazy up there. Cause he's got, he's got all this evidence on all of us. Cause wherever we did an Avera, every time any one of us did an Avera, he was the next to us. He's the one who was with us. So he's coming up there with this unbelievable prosecution. He's got all your films and he's all excited. We're going to show Wallerstein's film, Rosh Hashanah, and all his Averis. And he's like inviting 
Everyone needs to see it, man. You got to see Wallstein's movie. This is an Oscar-winning movie. This is a five-star. Oh, my goodness, right? And then they start playing it, and, and everything that he thinks the guy did wrong, he's going to yeshiva. What do you mean he went to yeshiva? He didn't go to yeshiva that day. I was with him over here, and I was with him over there. And he did this, and what? What, what, is, he, what is he? He's talking to a chavrusa? He wasn't talking to a chavrusa. Saturday night, November 21, he was out with a girl. That ain't no chavrusa. On the movie, he's sitting and learning in yeshiva. Matzishabbos, what's going on over here? Who touched my films? I don't know. We don't know. The, the Sanega, the, the defending angels, like, something, you know, you, you brought the wrong guy's film in here. You, you, you gotta get your evidence straight, man. You, you got, you got it messed up, you know? The guys that are working for you in the evidence room, you know, they don't know what they're doing. And, 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 and something walks out with his, with his head between his feet. He feels like, mama's an idiot. But chas v'shalom, the other way around, when, when Hashem's friend, when the, when the, the Jewish person comes up there, and the good, and he, and he had a chance to get rid of it. You have a whole L to get rid of it. You have another two weeks to get rid of it. And you didn't get rid of it, and you're coming up there with all those Averas. And they're showing the film, and it's all there. Hashem's like, I, I, I gave you a chance to get rid of the evidence. And you didn't get rid of the evidence? You're a rebel. It's a rebellion. It means you don't give a darn. Because all those Averas you did to me, you, now you're bringing them to the table. I'm your friend. I'm telling you to get rid of it. You know, I'm letting you into the police room, you know, where they have the drugs with your name on it. You're the drug dealer. And your name's on it. Evidence 6C59. How do I know this? I don't know. I'm just making this up. But, you know, evidence, you know, Schwartzberg, CF123 on this and this date. You know, two kilos of this and that. You got it in the evidence room. If the cops didn't sell it yet, whatever. You know, it's in the evidence room over there. And they're waiting until the case comes out. And they got the films. And they got all the tapes. They taped the, the dealer. They got his phone tapped. Right? They followed him in the FBI for five years. The CIA. They got tapes, baby. This guy is going away forever. Forever. What they didn't know is that the judge happened to have been his uncle. And the judge said, listen. If you really feel bad about it, you really, really, you know, just gonna, this is just gonna go away. And when they come to get into the evidence room, it's just gonna be lost. They moved, and things got lost while they were moving. And Hashem is the uncle here, and he's willing to do that. He's the judge. He's willing to, now you can say, well, that's not fair. This sounds like he's cheating, and the answer is he's not, because if you do tshuva, your machshava is, your machshava is that you want to get rid of all that film. If you want to get rid of all that film in machshava, then in, in the next world, your machshava is maisa. So when you're thinking, I want to get rid of the film, the film is being getting rid of. It's amazing. What a present. Who has such a present? What a present that each one of us is given to get rid of all our garbage, all our bad. Instead, we do worse things in Elul. We continue doing what we're doing. Not only we don't get rid of what we're doing, but we continue to do what we're doing. Because the Eitzahar is very smart. He wants to come to that court case with all your evidence. I saw it in the, um, very, very beautiful, in Lili uh, Nishmas, the Benish Chai. He says a fantastic, two very, very, very unbelievable mashallah. He says like this, talk about tshuva, right? He says that, um, there was a man, and he decided he wants to get rich, so he's gonna rob the, he's gonna rob the, the king's treasury, right? So, he's got it all planned out, he starts to dig a tunnel underneath the palace, he knows about where the, the, you know, the big boxes that all the money is in, the walk-in safe, you know, and 
he's digging and he's digging and he's digging. And at like four o'clock in the morning, he drills through. He comes up, breaks the breaks the tile, comes out. Oh my goodness, he missed he missed the uh, the vault by about three feet. And he he came up instead of in the vault, he came up in the hall next to the vault. And he's like, oh my goodness, because in an hour from now the sun's going to be up. The guard's going to be walking, and he can't get into the vault. So what does he do, right? He goes back down the tunnel, puts the piece of sli- slate back, right? And goes back to wherever he came from, and forget it, he missed it. And he walks back, and he puts on his jacket, and he acts normal. Okay. Next, n- the next night, another guy's like, I can pull this off. He goes ahead, digs a tunnel, not knowing about the other guy at all, digs a tunnel, because he heard this big treasure in the vault, and he hits it right on the mark. Ends up digging and coming right into the middle of the vault. Gets into the middle of the vault. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Looks around. Got his big sack. Starts putting in crowns and jewels and gold and silver. He's got this huge sack. Puts it on his back. He's about to go down the hole. He's going to become a multi-millionaire. Says to himself, what am I doing? This guy, the king, he is such a good guy. He, he treats everyone so well. What am I doing? I'm stealing from the king. He gives this. What does he do with this? What, what does he do with all this gold and silver? He takes it and he gives to the poor and he fixes the roads and he pay, and he pays for kids' schooling. And, nah, you know, this was very adventurous and very exciting. I'm not doing the right thing. Takes all the stuff out of his sack, puts it back, goes back down the hole and, and leaves. Okay. Next day, the king comes to the vault. It's time to see his stuff. He's walking down the hall, sees a piece of slate that's loose. Says to the guards, what's going on over here? Open it up. They open it up. Oh my goodness, there's a tunnel. He says, okay, go through the tunnel, see where it comes out, right? Comes out in this guy's house, in this guy's backyard, right? They arrest him. Okay. Next guy comes into the vault. There's another piece of thing missing. Moves out. He says, what's going on over here, right? Says, let's take inventory, see if anything's missing. Take inventory of this thing. Nothing missing. Says, go down the hole. Let's see who, where this guy comes from. Comes out in the house, in the backyard of the guy that was in the vault. Calls them back both into this beautiful Ben Ishchai. Calls them both into the, into the room. Into his room, he says, to the first guy, he says, can you explain to me what happened? He says, well, I'll tell the king the truth. I mean, you caught me, I'll tell you the truth. I, uh, I wanted to steal from the king. I'm a klutz. And my, my, my GPS didn't work exactly the way I did. And I came out three feet to the left. So, uh, I got out at four o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I didn't get in, you know, I didn't get into the safe anyway. I'm going to get caught. So I, I just turned around and went home. He says, really? Okay. Hang him. Hang him. Okay. So they're about to take him out to hang him. He sees there's another guy in the room. He says, says this guy, what's up with you? What's your deal? What happened to you? We, we followed your uh, little tunnel to the, your backyard. What, what did you do? He says, I'll tell the king the truth. He says, I was better, off, I was better than this guy. I hit it on the noodle. I came up right in the middle of your safe, exactly where I wanted to. And I started loading up my sack, and I put all the stuff in the sack. And as I was about to leave, I said to myself, how can I do this to the king? I just can't do this to the king. You're just such a good guy, and you know what you're doing with the stuff, with the money. This is silly what I'm doing. And I put it all back, and I left. And the king said, you? You're going to sit next to me. I need a guy working for me like you. That's the story. One guy gets hung. The guy that didn't get into the vault gets hung. The guy that got into the vault 
who took all the stuff, put it in the sack, then decided to change his mind, became second to the king. Says the Ben Ishchai. Says, the guy that goes ahead and does the Avera. Avera means that you stole. You're doing Avera, using your life, right? You're doing Avera, you're stealing from Hashem. And later on, does tshuva. Tshuva means to return. He re- you, you say to yourself, all this stuff, all these averas that I did, all this pleasure, this pleasure that I had in this world, Hashem, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't believe I did this to you. You give me life, you give me everything. What am I doing? Why am I doing averas? Why am I hurting you? I don't want to do averas anymore. I feel bad about all those averas. I want to put them back. All the averas I did, I want to put them back. I don't want them. I don't want anything. All that pleasure, that garbage that I did, I don't want it, Hashem. I don't want it. I want to put it back. Now, both these guys come up to Shemayim. Right? Both guys come up to Shemayim. So one guy, he wanted to do Averis. He did Averis, whatever it is. He didn't, he didn't hit, he didn't get to the, every Averis that he wanted to do. But he didn't feel bad about that. He just, he just messed up. I just messed up. I, I missed. This guy is saying, been there, done that, could have continued doing it, could have enjoyed it, could have never felt bad about it. Could have enjoyed life and said, this is what life's about. It's the moment, right? It's, you gotta live life to the, to, you know, to, to the fullest, to the last second. You gotta live life. There's a discussion be- between, uh, Kennedy now and someone else that I was reading, whatever, and they, they were telling each other, they're both old, they both had cancer, and they're like, you gotta enjoy life to the last second. You gotta enjoy life to the last second. You know, you gotta take out of this world, stuck out of the world, whatever you can, till you're out of here, which is of course the opposite of Yiddish guy, just the opposite. So he says that a person who comes to Rosh Hashanah and says, and they say, oh my goodness, look what this guy did! He dug a tunnel, right? And he stole everything from Hashem! He did this Avera, this Avera, this Avera, this Avera. But when we, when we look at his record, there's nothing missing. Because he did tshuva. So Kishbokhu says, so they asked the Neshama, why did you do tshuva? Like, why, why aren't you still partying? You know what it means to be with girls. You know what it means to drink. You know what it means to party. You know what it means to be on the internet. Why did you stop all that? Why did you put it all back? Why did you take it all out of your sack and put it back? Why aren't you still partying? Why are you saying that next year you're not doing any of this stuff? Why did you put it back? And then Shaman says, what do you mean why did I put it back? I, I, I was standing there and I was like, how can I do this to Hashem? He gives me everything. You, says Hashem. Ganeiden. Shana Tova. Sivach Good life, children, shidduch, money, whatever you need. <coughs> you hear what tshuva is? It's Ben Ishchai says. You hear what doing tshuva on Rosh Hashanah is? That you're going ahead and you're saying, I'm putting everything back, everything I took from you, Hashem, everything I stole, everything I enjoyed. I don't want it. Why? Why did you want it? Why aren't you partying? You had a good time. You enjoy it. Because how can I do this to you, Akash Baruch? You give me everything. How can I do this to the king? Yeah, I got all this in my hands. Yeah, I can have a good time next year. I can do all these Averis, right? Averis are fun. I don't want it. I don't want it because I don't want to hurt the king. That's what he says. That's what Shuvah is. He says also, it's his yard site tonight. Lili Nishmas, if you go home, you should talk a light a candle. Um, I got a... Let's see where my phone is. It's a Ben Ishchai. The Ben Ishchai. There's one good thing about a phone. Somebody can send you a message and tell you Yard site. The Benish Chai's yard site. Benish Chai's name is um, Chacham Yosef Chaim Ben Chacham Eliyahu Chaim. So it's Yosef Chaim Ben Eliyahu Chaim. Lili Nishmas. So he says one other story, which is very, very scary, considering a lot of things that are going on in this world. Very, very scary. And he says the following. He says, the Benish Chai says like this. He says, 
that there was this gun of this bandit, right? And he used to steal from people. And he heard, the, 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 this robber, this bandit heard that the tax collector of the king, who's always loaded with all the gold and silver of everyone he's collecting the taxes, he, he heard that, uh, that he was coming down the road. So he figured this is going to be the big hit of his year. He's going to hit the tax collector. So he went ahead and he robs the tax collector. The king hears that his tax collector got robbed, so he sends out, he sends out soldiers, and within a few hours, they cop this guy. They catch him, and they put him in jail. When the tax collector heard, right, that the robber was in jail, so he went to the prison, um, and he said, I, I want to talk to the prisoner, I want to talk to the guy who ripped me off, you know, who, who knocked me over the head. So they let him go. So the tax collector goes over to him and says, listen, um, I want you to give me back everything you stole from me because I got to give everything to the king. I want you to give me back. And if you do that, if you give me back everything, I'll go to the king when it comes to your court case and I will talk good for you. So the Ghanif said, what are you talking about? Right after I stole from you, I went to the casino and I lost everything that I stole from you. Except no one knows that in my shoe... I have one big gold coin that I have left that I didn't gamble, and that I still have in my shoe. If I give it back to you, will you defend me? So he says, sure. If you give me back that coin, I will go in front of the king and I will defend you. Okay. So the next day was the trial. Um, and he says, he, so the tax collector tells the Ghanif that when they ask you if you have anyone to speak in your defense, right, what do they call that? A good, um, the witness that you're a good guy. There's a special witness, character witness. When they ask for a character witness, you tell them that um, I will I will speak for you. So um, the king gets up and he says, "So who's defending?" He tells us this guy, "Who's defending you?" So this guy gets up, the tax collector. He says, "You have something good to say about this guy?" He says, "Yes." He says, "I want to tell you the story. Of what happened to me, King?" He says, "I went out to collect your taxes." from all the citizens, innocent citizens of the land, on my way, this man attacked me and robbed me of all your money. This is what he's telling the king. He's supposed to be a defense lawyer. He's telling the king, this guy robbed me of all your money, right? He says, but I have to tell the king in his defense, when in jail, and I spoke to him, he gave me back, king, this one coin of yours. He lost a billion dollars, but I'm giving you back a dollar. <laughs> and, and he said, and, and, and if you want, this guy will admit that, you know, that is true. So all the people that were sitting there said, Woe to the man whose defender becomes his prosecutor. So, what, what is he saying to Ben Ishai? He says that a mitzvah that's based on, and this is so important, I mean, this goes back, when I saw this, I was like, wow, because this goes back to a shir that I gave a long time ago. Really what he's saying over here is that we, that, that the Torah says that Hashem doesn't want karbanah, from an esnan zaina. He doesn't want karbanah, he doesn't want charity from money that was made illegally. Because what happens? What happens? The the malach that goes up and says that he gave charity, right? They're going to ask him, wow, he gave charity? So he's your defender, right? I'm defending him. Don't throw him into hell because he gave charity. And then they ask the malach, where did he get the charity? Oh, he sketched this guy and he stole it from this guy. Two days ago, he ripped off this guy. This guy he lied to. 
This guy, he told him there's a warranty. It comes with the batteries. When he sold him the camera, the whole thing was a sketch. And this was, he, he, he took a car and he sold it to him. And he made a lot of money on his cars because he put back the mileage. So, so everyone's sitting there going like, shut up. The, the charity Malach, who's talking about how the guy gave charity, he's the one who's burying him. That Malach, who's his defender, ends up burying him. So that's an, a mitzvah, a day avera, is no good. If you're going to give charity, make sure that the money you give is clean. Because they're going to ask him, where'd you get that money from? He's going to start telling all kinds of stories. Oh, let me tell you how he made that money. And they're like, oh my goodness, Betty would have never showed up. Maybe, maybe the Sultan would have never brought up that story, how he sketched five different people, ripped them off in a real estate deal. Maybe the Sultan wouldn't have, wouldn't have brought that case up. Now, that you're talking about, oh, on that real estate deal, he made a million dollars and he gave a hundred thousand dollars to Yeshiva. Yeah, but he ripped off a million dollars from, from, from other people. Oh, anyway, they're gonna, they're burying him. So he says, you have to be very careful that your mitzvahs that you do are done cleanly. If they're not done cleanly, that's what's gonna bury you. That's going to end up being your prosecutor. The so, so I was thinking, you know, all these, and this is my answer to the girls are like, you know, rabbi, you know, because the guys today are very smart. You know, how do they get the girls? So, you know, in the old days, we weren't the smartest the guys today. For sure not. We didn't get any girls. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have the good lines. We didn't, we didn't know what we were doing, you know. So, so what was the worst of ever you did? You went on Swan Lake on your motorboat and you made waves and you made their boat tip a little when you were like, those are really bad. We were bad boys. You know what I mean? We took our motorboat and we made waves. Woo! You know? It was bad. But what, what's today? What's today? So the guys get really smart because guys are hunters, right? And um, if one lure doesn't, if you're a fisherman, you know, if the lure doesn't work, right? So then you use another lure. And if that doesn't work, you get a fly that jumps on the water. It's mamish, you know, like it looks like a real fly. So guys are very smart, you know. So where'd they come up? Where they came up with no ridiculous thing. Girls are good. So, you know, if you're going to just walk up to a girl and say, whoa, baby, what's up? Let's go. You know, they're going to run. All the basic girls, every girl's going to run. Like, he's weird. There's something wrong with this guy. Like, you know, walks up to me on Avenue J and is like, hey, what's up? Let's, you know, let's hang out. Let's go party. Like, ooh, get away from me. So what do they do? No, it's the... You know, Chani, ever since I met you, I started going to shul. I'm like a different guy. You know, since I met you, I found Hashem. I'm like, I got from. And they're like, wow, I'm in Kirov. This is like amazing. And, and, and I'll have girls who will come to me and they'll say to me, Wallstein, I know I shouldn't be talking to a boy, but if I break up, he's going to go back to not going to Minion. I mean, I'm the only reason he's from. I'm like, you're the only reason he's from? You're the only reason he isn't from. You know, like, what is that? So it's so, whatever from means, but it's so twisted, but that, that's what works. And all the guys, everyone in this room, they all know that it works. Don't sit here like, wow, Rabbi, I didn't know that. You all know it. We all know it. It's exactly how it works. It comes from Frumkai. And, and yes, you're helping me and you help me find myself. And all these girls who stop guys from doing drugs, they're like, they can't, I can't, I can't, Wallstein, if, if, I, if I don't talk to him, if I don't hold his hand in the park, if I'm not there for him when he needs a hug, he's going to go back to drugs, he's going to die. Isn't, doesn't say, like, can't I do anything with him so that he doesn't kill himself? You know, and then the guy's telling me, like, she's anorexic, Rabbi, she doesn't eat. If I don't, you know, if I'm not with her, then, you know, she's going to go back to anorexia, I'm going to kill her. I'm like, who is selling you this load of, you know, stuff on the bird that we spoke about two weeks ago. Like, who is telling you this stuff, right? But it works. It works. It definitely works. They fall for it. 
girls, whoever's watching this, don't fall for it. They're full of baloney because a guy that goes to Minyan because of you is like a ger who becomes a Jew because of you. It doesn't count. Hashem doesn't want his davening because of some girl. Hashem wants him davening because of him. I tell you, I know one school where they wake up, the, the Holy Shiva wakes up, the girls call them in the morning. 90% of the dormitory gets their phones rings. It's a girl texting them, a girl calling them to wake them up. And the girls are like, wow, it's no dick, you know? The whole minion is like, you know, because of Chani and Malki and, and Yehudis and that's, everyone got up for minions. It's, 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 it's false. It's, see, it's a horror. It's baloney. It's, it's, it's not true. And, 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 and when we get older, you know, the whole thing like, you know, since I met you, I heard this last week. This blew me out the door. Out the door. I, you know, every day I learn something new. Every day. So there's this woman having an affair with a guy. It's a, Baruch Hashem, not a physical affair or we'd have to get her and her husband divorced. It's an emotional affair, which ends up always as being a, a, a physical, but right now it's, a, it's an emotional affair. It's an emotional affair. You want to hear what the guy told her? The guy told her that ever since, listen to this, godless, right? That ever since he met her at work, this married woman, he's a married guy, and she's a married woman. She's married to someone else, he's married to someone else, right? You want to hear this guy's line? And this guy's good. He's lying to her. They're having an emotional affair already, which is just one step from from total destruction, if it's not there yet, right? But we're as close. You know what she told me? <coughs> that he said that ever since he met her, right, and they've been talking out, you know, about his life, he got closer to his wife. You hear this? The guy's committing adultery with this woman, and the woman he's committing adultery with, he's telling her, because women have conscience, right? So she's always worried about, but how could you do this to your wife? Right? While she's with him, it's like, but how could you do this to your wife? Because, because there's still that emotion of another woman, like, like he's not going to do it to you. Like, like when you guys get married after this whole thing, like, hello, stupid, if he's doing it to his wife, he's going to do it to you. He has eight children with that wife. With you, he has nobody, right? But he, he's committing adultery with her, and he's telling her, you know, baby, since I met you, you straightened me out. Me and my wife are better. And she fell for this. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? She really thinks that, well, he was emotionally sick, and I got him healthy. I am committing adultery with him, but Lemaisa, we're talking cheating on his wife, but when he's with his wife, things are better. I was sitting there, I was like, oh my God, it's a horror. You are the master. You're the master. How dare you tell a woman while you're committing adultery with her that this adultery is making my my marriage better with how can, how do you get away with something like that, right? You're all laughing at it. It could happen to anybody. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. He twists and turns and makes the right wrong and the wrong right. This woman actually thought that not only am I not doing an Avera, but if she, if she, if the other woman only knew what I'm doing for her, I'm making her marriage better. You adulteress, you low life, you chayef kares that you are, what you're doing to your husband and to your children. You're not even be with them anymore, and you're you're happy. You think you're helping this woman? I told her, I, I you know me. I said you're a ganav, you're a ganav. I said you're benalul makayim. Is that you're committing adultery with a man between you and Hashem? You've been only This woman thinks her husband's working late, and you're with him. And you're telling me you're not physically with him? You're emotionally with him. So why don't you call her up and tell her? Your husband is not at work. We're sitting in a bar talking. If there's nothing wrong with it, if there's nothing wrong with it, go tell that woman that you're making her 
marriage better, why don't you call her and tell her, no, no, if you can't do that, it means there's something wrong with it. So we get so twisted, we're so twisted out of our mind, like a pretzel. He takes us and he twists us into a million pieces. We don't even know what we're doing. We don't know what's right. We're committing adultery and we're, you know, we're making the marriage better for that other person. You hear? Guy's not showing me the gear. She's not showing me the gear because she's saving him because he was on drugs. And now that she's not showing me the gear, he's not on drugs anymore. She became his drug, you idiot. You gotta know where you're coming from on your GPS. You gotta know who you are, what you're doing. If it's really wrong, then you have to know that that spot on the map is called wrong, not right. And if I'm going from wrong to right, that's one trip. If I'm going from right to wrong, that's a different trip. If I'm going from right to right, it's a different trip. If I'm going from wrong to wrong, it's a different trip. And you gotta know where you're coming from. When you're committing adultery and you're saying, I'm helping someone else's marriage, you don't even know where you're coming from. So how are you ever going to get to the destination? How are you going to do tshuva? You don't do tshuva only on things that you think you did wrong. You don't do tshuva on things you think you did right. So the Satan's brain, he makes you start to think that whatever is wrong is right. So I want to end. I'm getting too excited. It's not healthy. <laughs> so I'm going to have to leave Hilchus Tshuva for next week. I want to end with a crazy muscle that I heard last week. And then I have to say one story from Navas Chaim. It's his yard site. Crazy muscle. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Listen to this muscle. The anatomy of an Avera. So how did the, where did the question come up? Okay, it doesn't matter where the question came up. I, I want to tell you the answer, the, the, the marshal. It says like this. What is an Avera? What is the anatomy of an Avera? What is, how, how, what's, what's, what's the brilliance of the Yetzirah? It's very connected to what I told you till now. But it's very, very beautiful. He says like this. Many kids say, listen, Rebbe Wallace, what what's so bad? What's so bad? What's so bad? I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. If, 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 you know, what they teach you in America that if you enjoy something, it can't be bad. That's what we learn here. If it's, if it's enjoyable, you're on a roller coaster, a roller coaster can't be bad. Something you enjoy. Something you enjoy can't be bad. So, drugs, you're gonna tell me, okay, drugs can be bad because you enjoy it, but we know there's a health problem. A cigarette, we know there's a health problem. Alcohol, we know there's a health problem. But, 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 if, but, 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 and not, not being sneers and pornography and all this other stuff. Nobody ever said it's not healthy. Some Michigan low-life therapist wrote that it's very healthy for boys to do Averis. It's the way to get rid of your tension. And it's the way to do this. And it's the way to do that. And they write in their books, these beautiful psychological books. I read it, that it's very healthy for a boy to do the worst Averis that we spoke about two weeks ago. In the Swarm, their Swarm say, very healthy. It's very important. It's part of growing up. It's part of maturing. It's it's, it's part of, uh, of of releasing your tensions. And the worst of in the world. They write. There's beautiful people who write psychology. They write in their books that this is a very good thing. And 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 homosexuality is good. And lesbianism is good. Everything is healthy. Everything in America. Everything is healthy. And what's wrong with it? It's not drugs. It's not drinking. Right. You're not going off the road. You're not crashing. You don't have to commit adultery. Right. It's very healthy. Everything's very healthy. So I had this discussion. Someone who came to me and said, well, I hear the drinking and all that stuff, but physical relationship between a boy and a girl, what's unhealthy about it? Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. He created girls and boys. He created hormones. He created all this. It's his fault. It's his fault. It's his fault. You know, and if it feels good, right? What is the American saying? If it feels good, it is good. As I use it, that's what we're sold on. If it feels good, it is good. If it feels bad, it is bad. Right? Okay. Listen to this muscle. How I, Baruch Hashem, someone... 
Mamish, two days before I had this discussion with this girl, <coughs> two days before this happened, this guy told me this story. Hashem sent it before, the refuel before the Maka. I said, you know what? Let me tell you about, let me tell you a little bit about your little no Shemrenegia stuff. It feels good. So this guy finds out. He goes to the doctor. He doesn't feel well. You take a blood test. He has the HIV virus. He has AIDS. Just the beginning. Doctor says, listen, we can, we can give you medicine. We can prolong your life for five years. More than five years, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make it. Guy walks out of the room. Thinks about his past life. Says to himself, you know, I never gave anything to anyone my whole life. If I only have five years left, I want to share it with somebody. I want to be a giver. I want to do the right thing. He goes ahead, goes to a bar, a bunch of girls at the bar, gets dressed nice, starts to talk to them, finds this one girl that he likes, falls in love with her, she falls in love with him. He doesn't tell her that he has AIDS or HIV. He doesn't tell her anything. He makes up his mind for the next five years he is going to treat this girl the best that any man has ever treated a girl in their life. They get married. She, he gives her, they go on trips. He buys her furs and jewels. He's physically with her all the time. He doesn't work. He has a lot of money. Everything is her. Everything is her. Her friends are dying. They never saw such a man. They are married. They're miserable. They're like, they're going, oh, where are you going now on this trip? And a new mink coat and a new Lexus and, and, he, and, he, and, he, and maids. And he's always with her and they're always going out to eat and they're always going to clubs and they're always, and he's flying to, to, to the most beautiful France and Paris and on shows. And, and this woman, she's in heaven, the one he married. He made up his mind that these five years he's giving her everything. She's in heaven. Her friends are dying. Where did you get a guy like this? There is no such guy in the world. His whole life is her. Three years into the marriage, one day, she gets a letter from a medical center that comes to the house that he didn't intercept. She was home before him. She opens it up, and there's like five pages in there of, you know, your HIV case, the, 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 you're, in this, this, you're in level four, but we're, we're doing something in Boston uh, a test trial, it probably won't help you, but it'll help the future. We need to do some DNA tests and genetic tests. She's reading this. She's like, what? Well, what, is, what, what is this? What's going on over here? He has AIDS? HIV? I've been with him physically all the... Oh, my God. No, no, no way. It must, it must be to the wrong person. It must be a mistake. It's a printout mistake, whatever it is. He comes home. She's white. She goes, darling, what's wrong? What's wrong? She's like, what, 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 what is this? He opens it up and he goes, oh my God. He goes, I'm really sorry that you had to find out because I could have given you another two years, amazing years, like you never would believe. Yeah, I have AIDS. She goes, you just got AIDS. You just found out. He goes, no. She goes, you knew you had AIDS when you married me? When you dated me? He goes, yeah. She goes, you murderer. You killed me. That means I also have AIDS. How could you do this to me? You, you, you said you loved me. You said I'm the most important person in your life. You said I'm the only one. How could you do this to me? He goes, it was so bad. The last three years were so bad. You're complaining. Did I not give you everything? 
fun, money, love, physical enjoyment, spiritual enjoyment. I gave you everything. You're complaining? She says, three years? I'm 25 years old. Three years you gave me? I have a life that's supposed to be another 70 years. Now I have AIDS for sure. So I'm going to be gone in five years. Are you out of your mind or two years, whatever? Are you out of your mind? You took 60 years away from me and you gave me five years, three years, five. Well, I would have given you two more had you not found out. She's beyond herself. He's a murderer. He's a freaking killer. He's the worst, meanest, most devilish man that ever created. He on purpose without telling her. He was with her and gave her this disease. He's a good person. Does anyone in this room think for one second he's a good person? He's the most miserable low life that was ever existed. How dare you do this to a 25-year-old girl? What a muscle. This is the Satan. This is the Yetzirah. This is the fun. He comes to you and he gives you A's into your soul. Toma, Nida, what you see with your eyes, what you listen to, what you do. He puts it into your soul. And you're like, oh, I'm having fun. If it's fun, it's good. Fool, he's killing you. Your neshama is supposed to be forever. And now he's taking your neshama away from you. Understand that the Averis that he's doing, he's giving you AIDS. He's diseasing your neshama. He's killing you. Yeah, right now, everybody's jealous. <coughs> he's partying. Look at this guy. Every girl, every club gets drunk five times a week. Steals money, gets away with everything. Everybody's jealous while he's dying inside. And in the end of life, whenever that is, you find out that all that partying, the whole time the Satan knew that he was killing you. The whole time, the guy that you thought was your friend that was taking care of you, like this guy was taking care of the girl, the whole time he was killing you. That's what a person needs to realize. If a person realizes that, then his Averis will, will get, become a lot less. If you realize that that fun that you're having, sure you're having fun. She was also having fun while he was killing her. We have two weeks left. It's not a lot of time. Something's going to tell you. We start doing tshuva Thursday, May tshuva. Slichus night. No, not now. And then sleep at night, you're tired, and the next day you're late, and that, 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 that. Rosh Hashanah, Erev Rosh Hashanah, you're busy. And then you know what? If he's even strong enough, you'll get sick after Shalom, you won't even go to shul, or you go to shul and you won't feel well and you have a headache. You don't put tshuva off because tshuva doesn't work on building. Tshuva is a moment, tshuva is a second, tshuva is a decision. Tshuva is a decision. It's suspended without any foundation, and it only takes one second. And and the the the, Ram, the Rambam says so you have to hear what the, the lashon that he uses. Let's give you chizik because because we, we 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 have a way to get rid of the AIDS in our soul. We do have a. He says like this. Okay, there's certain things that that tshuva you have to wait till the person whatever. But he says like this. Let me just tell you. Uh, huh? In the time that there is no base of Midrash, like now, we don't have a Mizbeach, 
Shom Elo Tshuva. There's only Tshuva. HaTshuva Mechaperes Al Kol HaAveres. Tshuva forgives all sins. Afilu Rosh Yamav. A person who's bad his whole life. V'asav Tshuva B'Achroina. In the last moment of his life he does Tshuva. Ein Maskirin Loi Shom Shem Rasha. We don't call him a Rasha. You hear? Because if he does tshuva the last second, and he says, "What is tshuva? Mahi tshuva? Who he he stops his sinning by which I want to speak about next week. That tshuva means, and I I I I'm not even at that level yet. Um, is that not only you you stop doing the avera, but you don't even think about it anymore. You don't sit with the guys and talk about. The good old days. Remember when we used to do this wrong? And we used to go to the casino. Remember those days when we beat the house? If, you, if you're still thinking about it, according to the Rambam, you didn't do tshuva. If you're still talking with your boys, you remember that girl that I was, that I was hanging out with? Then according to the Rambam, you didn't do tshuva. It has to be out of your machshava. Because it comes out of your machshava when it's something that you hate. When you really feel bad about what you did, then you don't want to think about it anymore. When you just feel bad because Hashem said you shouldn't do it, but I don't really feel bad about it. And, you, and you're hanging out with your chums and you're like, man, remember what we used to do in the old days? We, we stole from there, we did that. If you're talking like that, according to the Rambam, if it's still in your machshava, the tshuva is not shalom. You didn't do the whole tshuva. Because your machshava, what's in your head, is your maisa. It's, it's so important that you clean out your head and you clean out what, the, the way that you think. Akash no, Baruch should, uh, should give it all, all, should give us all a bracha that are, that are, uh, that our tshuva should be, um, should be accepted. I, I want to just tell you from the Avas Chaim, Le'ili Nishmat, it's a very, very short story. Um, talk about the level that a person can get on. He says like this, there was a very big tzaddik, and he was very old, and he was very rich. It's a two-minute story. And he had only one child. It's a big tzaddik, very rich, very old, he had one child. And um, at 17, he sent him to yeshiva, and somebody came to Yeshiva and saw this boy and he said, I want him to marry my daughter. So the, the, um, the old man could not go to the Yeshiva to travel for the wedding because he was too old. So he sent three Tamidei Chachamim from the town. He was very rich. He paid them. He said, you go to the wedding and just come back after the wedding and report to me how the wedding went. Okay. So this father stayed home. The boy is getting married. Everything's great. They come to the wedding. What happens, Nebuch? The boy gets up um, on the bima by the chuppah, where he's walking up, you know, where the chuppah is, to go under the chuppah. And the, the, the chuppah was hung on these marble beams. And one of the marble beams um, fell on the head of the chassan and killed him. And he died on the spot. The chassan was killed at the wedding. So instead of going to the chuppah, he ended up going to the grave. So now you had these three Tamidei Chacham got to come back and report to this man, this tzaddik, that your only child, not only he didn't get married, but he's dead. They're going to kill him. They're going to kill this man if they tell him that. So they don't know what they're going to tell him. Right? He's a very big tzaddik. They have to. They have to come back and report. What are they going to tell him? Oh, so you tell him whatever he has to hear? No. These, these, they're not going to lie to him. So he's going to find out. Sooner or later someone's going to come and say, you know, I'm really sorry about what happened to your son. So what did they do? This is amazing. Just to show you the level of people in those days. So this is from Avas Chaim. So he says, what are they going to do? So one of them was very, very smart. He says, I'll handle it. Okay. They come back. They sit down. And the father says, 
um, how was the wedding with my son? He's supposed to come back with you with the kawa. Where is he? They're like, well, I guess we have to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you the whole story. He said, on our way, when we took him, you know, to go to the wedding, we met three priests. Three priests. And they saw your son, and they liked him, and they began to talk to him about their religion. And he was very smart, your son, he's brilliant. And they had a bikuach, you know, a uh, debate, and your son won. So they went ahead, and they said, okay, us you can win, but we're going to bring you the bishop. He knows more about the religion than we do. And we'll see when uh, your son debates the bishop what's going to happen. So the man, the old man said, you let my son debate three priests? Are you crazy? You can go off to Derek. What are you doing? What did you do? He said, wait, we'll tell you what happened. Okay. He said, he said, this is what the father said. He started to cry. What happened to Am Yisrael that you let him, that you let my son talk to him? So what happened? What happened in the end? So they said, okay, let us finish the story. He says, your son was great. He was a god of a Torah. He was a pikeach. He said, and we started to run away because we didn't want this, 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 you know, priest to, uh, this bishop to catch him. But there was nothing we could do. We were surrounded by these priests and the, and the, and the bishop. And they forced us to have this debate. And the, the father's beginning to realize that his son ain't back, which means that his son converted. So he began to cry. What happened to my son? He said, I'm going to tell you the truth. At the end, the bishop was he was a victor over your son. And your son became, became uh, converted. And he went with them, with all the priests. He left us. When this old Jew heard that his son went with the priests, he put his hands up to Hashem. And he said, God, take him out of the world. Kill him. The old man was screaming. Hashem, don't let him convert. Kill him. Take him out of the world. Better that he's dead then that he's alive. Any writes that she Sarah Oisi Acha Moisi. Hear what he says here? Abbas Chaim. I don't want that my son should bring pain to me after I die. Which is mashma that a father in the next world pays for what his son is doing in this world. So this man was screaming, Hashem, kill him now, so that when I die, he's not going to be a bishop somewhere, and I'm going to have to suffer. Amaloi Hashliach. So the, this, this shliach, one of the three rabbis said, Ha'emes, you want to know the truth? He cried, he died already. He's dead. He said, thank God. I'd rather that my son is dead than he should be a Russia for one second on this world. So the rabbi said to him, the messenger, Teda, don't worry. You should know, Your son, there was no priests, and there was no conversion, and there was no bishop, that your son died, he was holy, he was Tahar, he died at the wedding. 
Father said, no, Baruch Hashem. If that's where Hashem took him, but he left the world holy, that's fine. So he did a little reverse, yeah. little reverse feelings on him. But you hear how the father reacted that I'd rather he's dead than Chas Shalom, he's on the other side. I, I'm not going to say that Hashem says that because Hashem knows that we can do tshuva, but it hurts Hashem very much when we're on the other side. And therefore, we are given a crazy matana that no one else in the world is given. We are given a matana of tshuva. You are all, everyone in this room, and every Jew is holding that beautiful present. You're holding the tape of this past year in your hands in a tape recorder that has a button that says erase. It's amazing. You're holding the movie, you're holding that camera with your whole year, what you did in your room, what you did outside your room, all the stuff that you did this year is in that camera, on that film. Everyone in this room has that, your camera in your hand. And all you need to do is push the button erase. You gotta be the sugar in your head not to push that button. Or not to believe that there's such a button. But there is such a button. And a Kajbaku wants us to do tshuva. And therefore we need to do tshuva. And that tshuva takes one second. It doesn't need a million speeches. It doesn't need a million books. It needs one moment. Because tshuva has no foundation. <coughs> Ruchnius has no foundation. It comes in a second. And the Baruch will give us the siyat and the shmaya to be able to stand in front of the king. And all the things that we did wrong this year should be turned into mitzvahs. And the Baruch should be proud of all of us. And should give us a It's a new decade. It's brought down that it's, it's changing from Samach to Ayin this year. There's no more Samach. We went through the Samach test. This was this year. And next year is Ayin. It's a year that we need a lot of tefillah because it brings down in the Gemara that a year that the first day of, of Rosh Hashanah, which is the real Chiv, doesn't have Shaifer, is a very dangerous year. And this year, it comes out that the first day of Rosh Hashanah is Shabbos. So, it's a very scary year that's coming up. But, on the other hand, I think it was the Badich of Arav, so it says that you have to do really <coughs> Rosh Hashanah where the first day is Shabbos, since there's no Shoifar, so there's the, the, the Dinim don't have a way to, uh, to become soft. So it's very dangerous for the Jewish nation that year. So we have to be really, really, really do tshuva. But, there's a very big tzaddik, that, which I love, that got up and said, just the opposite. He said, just the opposite. Imagine, right, that we have a weapon, which is called shaifer. It's like a huge sword. We have a sword that can cut off the sultan's head. When we blow shaifer. Now, we are willing, we are willing not to take that sword and protect ourselves because of Shabbos. We are willing to give up our biggest weapon, Rosh Hashanah, for Hashem. He says, that is bigger than the sword itself. Rav says. The sword, the, the, the whole sword is the shaifa. Giving up shaifa and our biggest defense because of Shabbos, because Hashem says you have to keep Shabbos, is a much bigger sword than any shaifa that you can blow. May his, may his shot come true. May Ayin Takabi and Ayin Toiv, a good year, a good year for Kleister. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.